How good have Danny Ainge's picks been in ranges similar to where the Jazz picked this year? And how well do those specific picks turn out according to history? Find out next on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name's Lee Tulian, and I'm excited and honored to have the opportunity to fill in for David Locke for the next few weeks on Locked On Jazz. I'm a lifelong Utah Jazz fan who's a credentialed NBA draft analyst, an analyst for Locked On NBA Big Board, attendee of the 2023 NBA Draft Combine, Utah Jazz broadcast assistant and statistician for the past two seasons, and lover of college basketball. So don't expect all of the geeky numbers to be gone as, as they usually are here, but I'll bring a unique perspective as a diehard college hoops fan a draft analyst and a jazz employee and a fan who makes you as knowledgeable as possible about your utah jazz as they head to a critical juncture with just with three picks this year and plenty more in the future thanks for making locked on jazz your first listen every day and remember locked on jazz is free and available on all platforms including youtube at locked on jazz where the best way to help us grow is comment anything below and the question today is, how confident are you in Ainge finding a star? And how confident are you he drafts a long-term impactful player at 9 and at 16? Please let me know, and I'll try to engage with you as best as I can. Title sponsor today is Bird Dogs. Thanks to Bird Dogs, who sponsors the show. And that's where you can get the most comfortable, great-looking shorts at an affordable price. They're phenomenal. In the first segment, I will outline the picks Ainge has made at or around nine, and then talk to you about the history of the ninth pick or the short-term history of the ninth pick and the varying degrees of success the players selected there have had according to a scale I created for this podcast that ranks how good an NBA player is relative where, to where they're drafted. In the second segment, I will break down the 16th pick and list the players Ainge has selected from thereabouts in the NBA draft and then go through history of the 16th pick and follow through more with that scale at the success rate at 16. And it varies because 16 and 9 are not quite the same. And in the final segment, I'll do more of the same. We'll discuss the late round picks Danny Ainge has made and some brilliant and some not. And then discuss the specific pick, number 28, and try to determine how likely it is to get an NBA caliber player at pick 28. Spoiler alert, drafting's hard. Let's dive right in. Danny Ainge deservedly has received heaps of praise for constructing championship caliber teams with both KG, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, the team that won it then. Then he's made the Celtics into what they are today. I know he hasn't been there for the past few years, but he's the reason that this team is constructed the way that they are uh, with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and a lot of these trades that have been made has put them into championship contention. I know they haven't won, but that, that team's been near the NBA for the, for about near the top of the NBA, the pinnacle haven't quite achieved the pinnacle, but have been near there for about seven years. And that's really, really hard to do in the NBA uh, maintaining that type of success. That said, much of the drafting success has been near the top, top three picks, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum make up the largest amount of success for what Danny Ainge has done. Yes. He made clever moves. Jalen Brown wasn't thought of as a uh, absolutely, like, you can't miss him prospect. He, he came out with pedestrian stats, arguably the second-best player on his own team at Cal behind Ivan Rab, and then he took him at three. And then Jason Tatum, he would have taken at one, traded back, made a clever move as Fultz and Lonzo Ball went one and two, and Jason Tatum, the best player in that draft class, went number three. So what has Janny Ainge done near pick nine? Because the top three is different from nine. It's still a top-ten pick, and there's still talent to be had, and there have been hits there historically. 
but it is it's less likely to do so than at three. The the picks that I found that Danny Ainge has, has made that I would say are near number nine. Jeff Green was picked fifth, but he was traded for Ray Allen. So that was a great trade and it ended up winning a championship for the Celtics. Um, Jeff Green, you know, he's he's a journeyman. He's still playing minutes on a playoff team. He's a top eight rotation guy. But also you got to factor in Jeff Green uh, had a heart issue in the middle of his career, which I think has marred the image of how he is as a player. So I would say he's solid. And I'll, I'll introduce you to my scale later and I'll, I'll go through he uh, and the other guys here. Randy Foy was traded, but he was picked number seven. Randy Foy was a journeyman, really good shooter, eventually had a stint with the Jazz. And for those of you who were around back then on watching the Jazz, he was a sharp shooter then. And he was a good player, but unspectacular. Marcus Smart was picked sixth. And that, that's the history right there of picks that Danny Ainge has made near pick nine. Marcus Smart is probably the best of those three guys. And he's a star role player, but not quite a star. Uh, so would you guys be happy getting a star role player? I mean, you probably should be is what history bears out. But I I don't know. Much like myself, I, I don't know if I'd be thrilled to be like, oh, well, there's a guy that can add to our team for a bit. Um, but I mean, the, the one of the comparisons for Casey Wallace is Marcus Smart. So if you were to get Marcus Smart out of Casey Wallace, I think we should be thrilled. I just have these expectations that probably are unrealistic, much like you guys do, because of the history that you hear about Danny Ainge being such a good drafter. Like that, that is an unrealistic thing to do, but I want it to happen so badly. Um, now let's go through the history of the ninth pick. Trey Burke, uh, picked by our Utah Jazz. Uh, there was talent at a lot of places around him. Trey Burke was, was an okay player, scored, played nine years on and off, nine points per game. Noah Vonley was in 2014. Pick number eight, uh, sorry, pick number nine, eight years, four points per game. Vonley, kind of about the same as Burke, journeyman, stuck his way in the NBA, but not not really anything of an impactful player. Frank Kaminsky, eight years, nine points per game. Kaminsky, solid player. I'll get to my scale in a moment. Jakob Pertl, uh, he he scored it scores about eight point six rebounds, but he's the best player of those four so far by a definitive margin. Like it, that's not particularly close. As he's a solid N- NBA contributor. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. probably the worst of the bunch here. Really good athlete. Found a hard time making a home in Dallas as Luka Doncic kind of came in after him, and you know what that means. You're going to play the better player. Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox is uh, still in the NBA. He's playing better right now than he was. But he, he's not exactly a great pick that if in a redraft would go number nine. Rui Hachimura is getting better. He's scoring 12 a game in, in his few years. Uh, he's a basically a fifth starter, maybe a sixth man type of option. So that's one of the better players. He and Pirtle have been the best by far. Denny Avdia in 2020, uh, eight points per game. And, and you know, he's, he's budding, so it's hard to monitor that. Number nine in 2021 was Davion Mitchell. He's scoring eight and a half points per game, known for his defense, and he played an integral role in defending Steph Curry. So I think you can bump him up for uh, lack of point production as something that's important. And then the last one I think is probably going to be the best player in this is Jeremy Sohan. Uh, 11 points per game, and that's not his, his acumen. as more defense, rebounding, doing whatever you, you ask him. I think he's a potential guy that could crack maybe an all-star game uh, down the road, but he's going to be very, very solid next to Victor Wembanyama, presumably, for years to come. All right, so without further ado, here's my scale. My, my scale is five is a superstar, four is an all-star, three is a starter, two is an NBA guy, and one is out of the league. So Trey Burke, 
He is a two, but he's not far removed from a one in this for me. He, he's stuck in the league for nine years, so I got to give him credit there. But he wasn't someone that I, I valued as an NBA contributor beyond the first couple of years. Like his, after his first contract, there was some tenuous purchase. Noah Vonley is about the same as Burke. Uh, Kaminsky is a solid two. He, he's played in the NBA. He's not a huge contributor, but he but he's scoring well enough uh, and playing enough minutes in, in his journeyman career to, to have a solidified place. Jakob Pertl. He's the best player that I've mentioned so far of these nine picks. He's a solid three. He's a starter in the NBA, a contributor to NBA teams. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. is a one. He was out of the league pretty quickly. He's trying to fight his way back. I wish the best for him, but he that's not a successful pick at nine. Kevin Knox, he's in between a one and a two for me because he's still in the league, but he's not, to me, a very big contributor. He could become one because he has a lot of potential. Uh, Rui Hachimura. I think he's between a two and a three. I think he's an NBA player. I don't know if he's quite a starter down the road, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, leading more towards the three side of that, where he's a starter caliber player, as he played very, very well in the playoffs. Denny Avdia, he's between a two and a three. I think you'd lean more towards the three as well in this, as he's budding, he's going to get better. Davion Mitchell is about a two, but I think in, in certain instances, like you saw in the playoffs, he plays a very valuable role as a defensive hound. So he's between a two and a three. And then Jeremy Sohan, I think, is a three firmly already and could be a four as an all-star, but he's not a superstar. So that's not great. As for Ainge's picks, which you want to look at the mean of all these other teams' picks and then what Danny Ainge did. Jeff Green's about a 2.5, maybe a three. Like I mentioned, uh, I think he would have been a three very firmly and maybe still should be uh, as an NBA contributor throughout his entire career if he hadn't had the heart in, uh, issues. So I will say Jeff Green's a three. Uh, Marcus Smart is a kind of 3.5 almost because he's a star in his role. He's not just a role player, but he's not an all-star. So I, I would say that's the best pick, 3.5, and that's the, between Marcus Smart and Jeremy Sohan as the best two that I've mentioned here right now. And Randy Foy is between a 2 and a 3, probably lean more to the 2 side of that. So basically, the recent batch of 9 picks have been underwhelming. So what can the Jazz get out of the picks remains to be determined, but it tempers expectations. And I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but I think it's important to look at the history and realize that drafting is difficult. Drafting has gotten better of late, and Danny Ainge is certainly above average. So who can the Jazz get? And does it beg the question, if there are paltry pickings at nine, should the Jazz move up? And what types of players that were selected at nine, by my count, do you have a mix to even be like, like okay, re let me restart there. What type of players are the Jazz going to be selecting? Typically one and done. So if you look at these type of players, half of them are about one and dones that you took for traits, and half of them are really successful college players like Kaminsky and Trey Burke, who are wooden players of the year, Naismith players of the year, who just didn't have the uh, athleticism to parlay it into successful NBA careers. So I think the Jazz would go for more for the one and dones, which I think has more upside than it does uh, a, a high floor. But this year, I think the guys have more high floors like Kaysen Wallace and, and uh, Taylor Hendricks for interest. Uh, for example, I don't think they have the potential to bust as much as Kevin Knox does. Like I remember that pick happening, being uh, stunned. The Knicks took him over Michael Porter jr. Uh, so that that's something that by, by this logic, I think the jazz are going to be in a safer spot because they're the guys that are one and dones that are picked typically for potential seem to have higher floors coming up next. We'll discuss the same exercise, but at pick 16, breaking down who Ainge has picked around those picks in years past, but I'll count up the last 10, 16 picks and rank them on my draft success scale. But first, let me tell you about bird dogs. 
Bird Dogs is phenomenal. And ever since I got my two two pairs in the mail on Friday when I returned from the combine, I've been living in them. They're so comfortable, look so good, and they they're they're so comfortable. They look so good, and you can wear them to anything. You can wear them to sports. I wore them to play tennis yesterday, and I wore them to a fancy outing um, that was outdoor as a, as a barbecue. So they're versatile, comfortable, pretty, and. I got compliments about them at the fancy one. And then my friend asked me, Hey, are those bird dogs when I played tennis? So that's, that's a pretty good uh, gist of what they can do. They're, they're multifaceted and very good. If you were to be drafting, that's what I draft. Uh, bird dogs look good for everyday use, sporting use, and even look good as shorts or pants for the dressy occasion. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA. And when you enter promo code locked on NBA, L O C K E D O N N B A. They'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. I have one of those as well, and it keeps the water cool. And if you're anything like me, and when it gets warm, you drink copious amounts of water, definitely a good thing to have. Welcome back into Locked On Jazz. I'm Leif Tulin, and we will now continue going through the history of Danny Ainge's picks, where he made picks near where the Jazz are selecting this year. So we'll go through the last 10 picks at 16 and who Danny Ainge has taken near there. The Jazz select 16th and Ainge has made many picks around this range for the Celtics to varying degrees of success. I'll go through them here. Lucas Noguera picked number 16 in, in 2013. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a number of these. Romeo Langford at 14. Aaron Neesmith at 14. Al Jefferson, former Jazz man at 15. Avery Bradley, 19. Gerald Green, 18. Gershon Yabusele, 16, Terry Rozier, 16, and Troy Bell, 16. I would actually say, even though I started off with what I would call misses in Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesmith, who are both, you know, fringe in the NBA players that are making their way, uh, this was a pretty good crop in the mid uh, 15 to 20 range. Like Avery Bradley had a very good NBA career. Al Jefferson was all NBA at one point. I know he wasn't consistently great, and he was limited to offense. He was not a good defender, uh, but but that's a really good pick. Gerald Green at 18 played a long time. Gerald Green, a high flyer, could shoot the ball, probably would fit better in today's NBA than he did in his own. Terry Rozier at 16 is a really good pick. Troy Bell and Gershon Yabusele were not hits, but that's that's batting a pretty good percentage in that range. So now let's look at who's been picked at 16 in years past. Lucas Noguera, as I mentioned, picked by Ainge. That, that's not a particularly good pick. He was picked one pick after Giannis, so that probably stings. Uh, Nurkic, that's a really good pick at 16 in 2014. In 2015, it was Terry Rozier. That's a good pick. Gershon Yabusele. So three of these first uh, five, uh, three, three of those first four, excuse me, have been by Ainge, and he's one for three at this point. Justin Patton, uh, not a particularly good pick at 16. Zaire Smith. That was unlucky. He had a horrible allergic reaction and never quite was able to learn how to, uh, or not learn how to play, was never able to get back into the shape and play. I did think that was a head-scratching pick at the time, but that one I don't want to chalk up to like, oh, the NBA career was busted because he couldn't play basketball. I think there was some misfortune involved there. Chuma Okiki, 2019, was coming off a torn ACL that he tore at Auburn in the Elite Eight. Uh, that's unfortunate. He's working his way back into the NBA fold. I think he'll probably become a free agent coming up soon, and we'll see who where he goes and see if he can develop his career further. Isaiah Stewart, that was a pretty good pick. He's contributing well on a Pistons team early in his career. 
Alperin Shangoon, great pick. Someone that I think has the potential to be an all-star. A.J. Griffin, I think that was a really good pick. He was injured a lot at his collegiate career at Duke and is learning how to play in the NBA alongside Trey Young and still has his unbelievable shooting ability. As for Ainge's picks, the best would be Al Jefferson, who was 2013-2014 All-NBA and was a career 16-8 and guy who peaked in the, in the 20s in scoring. Bradley and Green, Avery Bradley and Gerald Green were good players who were in rotations for much of their career. Avery Bradley became a defensive stopper for some of those early Celtics teams that now we think of as Tatum and Browns, but he was there before them and set the foundation for years. He, he was also a contributor on many other good basketball teams. So that was a very good pick by Ainge. Gerald Green made a career uh, of highlight plays that people know him about, but he was a pretty good player in his own regard, just shot some shots that were head scratching. But that's a very good pick where he got Gerald Green. And then there's Terry Rozier, where I think you could wait. You could say he's better than Gerald Green and Avery Bradley, but the role is very different. He has a lot of empty calorie stats that he's put up of late, but he's a talented scorer and someone that was able to contribute on some of the teams with Isaiah Thomas and the early Tatum and Brown teams. So those are four really good hits in this range. You're not likely to get a star. I know there's the Giannis's at 15, the Kawhi's around there but it, it just doesn't happen so often. So you looked at 10 of these. And so now let me get you to my scale. Lucas Noguera is not in the NBA. So that's a one. Uh, Jokic is a, uh, sorry, not Jokic. Nurkic is a 3.5 to me. I think he's better than just an average starter. His injuries have marred him a little bit, but he, I think he's not quite an all-star. He's a, he's like a 3.25 almost. Uh, Terry Ozier, a three, really good basketball player. Nothing spectacular in this grand scheme of the NBA, but a definite hit at 16. Gershon Yabusele is back to France, number one. Actually, most, most things he's done recently was tackle Dante Exum, a former jazz man. Uh, Justin Patton, a one. He was on the Jazz Summer League this past year and looked good in that regard, but that's not something you're trying to pick at number 16 when he's six years removed from that. Zaire Smith, I mentioned the unlucky circumstances around him but that is a one as well. Chuma Okiki's probably going to become a two, but because he started his year on a, t a torn ACL uh, and his career began in a place with a lot of redundancy in Orlando, uh, he's like a 1.5 for me. Isaiah Stewart is probably a two, a contributor, maybe a 2.5, someone that can start, but I don't think he's a long-term starter in Detroit. Maybe I'm being harsh on that one. I think maybe he can become that. I just like Jalen Duran a lot in the front court. I think that's a tiny bit too redundant. Uh, to have two bigs and make Stewart the stretch four, which he's trying to do. So 2.75 maybe for him. Alperin Shangoon's right now a three, could be a four, could be an all-star, someone that's defensively limited, but he's unbelievable offensively. And he's probably the closest thing to who might be the best player in the NBA right now in Nikola Jokic. If you're to look at someone to emulate the game, he's probably the closest thing as a post-oriented passer and score with unbelievable skill that's just not athletic enough to be an impactful, impactful defender. And A.J. Griffin right now is a two, I think will become a three when he is uh, healthier and further into his career. It's hard to rank a rookie right away. So that's a significant amount of success for Ainge in that range. You, because you must consider at 16, the expectations are different than what they are at nine. And, and typically the expectations might be too high. It's not a perfect process, but what the draft is becoming better at is narrowing down like the players that have traits, but no skills that, that are super applicable. So a lot of teams, if you look at those misses at nine, I mentioned like Kevin Knox. Someone at Kentucky that you looked, oh, he's got a really long wingspan. He shot it okay here on limited attempts. Maybe if we put him in the NBA, 
then he'll do great. Uh, at 16, there's thoughts, there's less thoughts of, hey, we're going to take a swing pick. What I mean by that is someone with, with that you want to cultivate and train to be a, a superstar. More of it is to fit a floor and build your team. So who's available around these picks that I think are unlikely to bust and maybe be guys that I see as threes, meaning a starter in the NBA? I think a lot of these guards. So uh, I mentioned yesterday's episode for the everydayers. Thank you for listening once again. Uh, that I meant, I thought that wing at nine and guard at 16 would be my preference. If I had to choose best player available is probably the best way to go. I'm um, just uh, stats bear that out in the long run. Ainge, once again, test above average here at 16, um, but it doesn't change a franchise in either way. Like none of these picks were guys that you're like, oh my goodness, that's how to change my franchise. So who's safe? That's the question because I think safety at 16, unless someone slips like Gigi Jackson, where you just have to take a swing at it because you need to is something you should target at 16. My favorite targets are Leonard Miller, Noah Clowney as really high floors, uh, Keontae George and Gigi Jackson for upside, and somewhere in between those two is Jalen hood Shafino and Kobe Bufkin, who I think have upside, maybe not superstar upside, but upside to be starters, to be threes in the in my scale as contributors and uh, solid NBA players with a little more upside than just being twos as backup guards. So I, I actually really like this spot for the Jazz. I think this is a spot the Jazz can find success. But it's difficult. Like like you're seeing is I just went through the whole 16s for the past 10 years, and you've got one, two, three, four, and maybe even five ones. I'm giving Chuma Okiki the benefit of the doubt to be a two, but you can make an argument, and I'd listen, about one. So that's, that's, that's 50% of them are out of the NBA at 16. Those are kind of staggering numbers. All right. Well, next I'll tell you about Ainge's track record late in drafts and study the 28th pick and how that pick has fared in producing talent. But first, let me tell you about FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. I know the time's running out. The playoffs, the Nuggets are into the championship and they're in. Nikola Jokic looks like he is a man possessed and a man on the mission. But make a, make a run to FanDuel and try to get your bets in soon. Because right now, new customers can get no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back. And bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, maybe you could win. Uh, you could bet on the NBA Finals and get some extra money if you have a good feeling about a team or just players or individual games. There are great promotions every day. Safe and secure app. I've used it. Uh, get paid instantly. And then there's no place better to bet. Then I'll play off long than America's number one sportsbook. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on L O C K E D O N and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Also, I got to tell you about my friends at Intercap Lending. Uh, Steve Carter can take care of you, and it's one of the largest independent leading lending companies. And what differentiates Interact? Uh, Intercap Lending, excuse me, from others. They're hyper-responsive. Embrace change. And that's something that's really underrated. It's hard to, in this climate, to say this works, but we're going to embrace change. Well, they're they're able to do both. They're unbelievably successful and embrace change, listen to you. They respond very well. They have so much experience helping you guys out and are very good at responding to your needs. It feels like it's small with how well they take care of you, but it's huge as it's in 44 states. It's not just Utah, as you might expect. So that talks more about how successful they are. And you can service your own loan, build a long-term relationship, and it's better for the consumer. Steve Carter is our personal loan officer for Locked on Jazz. Call him at 
800-852-8528. Make sure to tell them you're locked on and get corporate discounts. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. And don't hesitate to reach out to Steve Carter. All righty, back for the final segment. The 28th pick should have the least success made by picks by Danny made around there by with picks by Danny Ainge. I mean, that's just that's just the room, the nature of the beast. When you're picking later in the rounds, you're typically swinging for upside. You're uh, taking foreign players that you can store and stash. There, there's other ulterior motives that impact these picks. However, Danny Ainge has some pretty decent hits in this this category as well. Ainge has selected Robert Williams, 27th, which is one pick sooner. Grant Williams, 22nd. Peyton Pritchard, 26th. Tony Allen, 25th. Delonte West, 24th. Jared Selinger, 21st. Fab Mello, 22nd. RJ Hunter, 28th. Ante Zizic, 23rd. I would argue that's a really impressive haul with three of them playing major playoff minutes in their careers, and those three being Robert Williams, Grant Williams, and Tony Allen. And then Peyton Pritchard and Delonte West have had a fair share of accumulated success in their own regard, both in the playoffs and just uh, in their careers and in the number of minutes they play. So that's pretty impressive. That's a really good haul at 28 or thereabouts. I would argue that three of them, are guys that you would put in your top seven of any championship level team. Like Robert Williams, in my opinion, should have won defensive player of the year last year over Marcus Smart. He was the best defender on the Celtics. It was just that they were so good defensively that when he went hurt and it didn't hurt them enough, I think that people thought his impact was lesser than what it was. I could be wrong, but that's the way I perceived it. Grant Williams made a role for guys like David Roddy. Like a guy like Kobe Brown coming out from Missouri this year could be in play for the Jazz at 28. It has a role because of what David Roddy and Grant Williams did. A big body defender who can space the floor and hit some threes. That's a really good success. Tony Allen was the, the best defender on the grit and grind Grizzlies. He also was Kobe Bryant's least favorite guy to have guard him. That's an ultimate compliment right there. That's a phenomenal pick at 25. Peyton Pritchard's been good. Delonte West ha- has had some mental issues post-career, but he was a good player early in his career. Played on those LeBron James-led Cavaliers teams before LeBron went to Miami. So what's the rest of the NBA done at pick number 28 in years past? Livio Jean-Charles, that's a miss. C.J. Wilcox, that's a miss. R.J. Hunter, that's a miss. Scal Labissiere, that's a miss. Tony Bradley, picked by the Jazz. I would say that's not a miss because at 28, you've gotten a number of years out of Tony Bradley. That said, the guys picked around him had significantly better careers. Uh Josh Hart was picked 30, traded with the Jazz original pick, 30 and 28, as you remember. 27 was Kyle Kuzma. And so that those are some guys that make it feel like a miss. But in reality, that was probably a solid pick, even though it was unspectacular. Uh, Jacob Evans picked at 28 the year following. Not great. That was by the Warriors. Jordan Poole, that's a great pick. That That's a great pick. Someone that you picked in with upside on the mind, and it hit. And he's learned under the two best shooters ever, probably, and how to be kind of a a splash bro of his own. Like he's learning behind them. And so that is a great pick, picking on talent from Michigan. They saw a shooter who was skinny, had his ball skills, but played in a team that was very good, didn't get a showcase at all. And most people thought in the Big Ten that year that uh, Romeo Langford was the guy, uh, the best freshman. Well, uh, Jordan Poole was, and, and he truly has proven that. 
Jaden McDaniels, that one's going to be sour for Jazz fans. As I mean, as good as Desmond Bain has been, Jaden McDaniels was the guy that I wanted the Jazz to take, and I still think they should have taken. Um, but that's an absolute hit, someone that raises your floor defensively and offensively unbelievably. That, that one's painful, but shows that there's a lot of potential here at 28. Jaden Springer and Patrick Baldwin have been the last two years. Uh, those are interesting because neither of them have really gotten to show themselves. Jaden Springer is a really good athlete out of Tennessee, and Patrick Baldwin's quite the opposite, and he's not a very good athlete but a phenomenal shooter. I think there's a way for both of them to make impacts down the road. It's too early to reserve judgment. So if I was to apply my scale, it would be Livio Jean-Charles would be a zero. He didn't even play. C.J. Wilcox, a one. R.J. Hunter, a one or a zero. Scalabissier, a one. Tony Bradley, a two. And that's because that he's picked a 28. The fact that he's a contributor from 28, that improves it. Otherwise, it's like a 1.5 that he was picked at like 16. Jacob Evans, a one. Jordan Poole, a 3.5, maybe even a four. I think he can become an all-star. He's not quite that caliber yet. I don't think he's a guy you can change it, but he's an all-star caliber talent, so probably a four. Jaden McDaniels, to me, is a guy like Marcus Smart who stars in his role. Doubtful to be an all-star ever, but he's uh, someone who could be an all-defensive player multiple times. Jaden Springer and Patrick Baldwin, like I said, too early to tell. Probably ones, maybe a two tossed in there. So in sum, Danny Ainge has gotten a lot out of the later round picks. Like he really has compared to some of the other selections. Aside from McDaniels and Poole, Danny Ainge has the four best players picked around there. Granted, I know a few of them were before 28, but but the point still applies. What does that mean for the Jazz? You tell me. My, my takeaway is that a lot of these picks are swings and misses on one and dones, and the big hits have come this way as well. Like Jane McDaniels had very interesting film at Washington. His first game against Baylor was his best game. He was bad the entire Pac-12 year, and the Pac-12 was bad that year. I know they had success in the tournament, but but throughout the regular season, they were not very good. And then he comes into the NBA, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Like, it was so obvious. But it wasn't. It wasn't based off watching his college film. Jordan Poole was on a very good Michigan team, a team that lost to Villanova in the championship. And he had a game-winning shot against uh, Houston in the second round and really elevated his draft stock based off the tournament run. He was not obviously a guy that you would be like, okay, of course he was going to be a star. No, it was it was a swing. It was like, hey, he's got some traits that I think are uh, going to work in the NBA, and they did. And he also really struggled his first year. He went to the G League and came back out, and then he wins the championship, and now the perception of him changes drastically as he gets this enormous deal. And then he comes back this year and has a poor year. But overall, that's a phenomenal pick at 28. Uh there's, there's two trains of thought. Do you take a high floor player available? I mentioned one like Kobe Brown that I think would be someone that you could emulate the David Roddy role or someone Grant Williams. He's not quite the defensive player that uh, Grant Williams is, but he's a better shooter uh, coming out of college at least. Uh, not, not a better player, but a better shooter coming out of college than both Roddy and uh, Grant Williams. He'd be a pick there. Should Chris Murray fall? I don't think he necessarily falls to 28. That would be a guy I'd count as like a safer pick as a veteran player who can – step in, knock down some shots, and defend on the perimeter? Or do you go for a swing, like I mentioned, uh, a guy like Dylan Mitchell? Dylan Mitchell shot horribly at Texas, but his traits are undeniable. He runs like a deer, flips his hip like a defensive back, uh, and you have the ability to maintain him under contract for a while because it's a first-round pick. So should the Jazz keep it, that's interesting. Or that begs the question, do the Jazz trade? Do the Jazz trade? Because you look at all these things, and you say, at nine, there's – no stars that in the last 10 years 
At 16, there's no stars in the past 16 years. Uh, in the past 10 years, excuse me. And at it's the same thing again for even later in the draft. So it makes it interesting. It really does. So that it, drafting's not an exact science. Uh, no players here are, are valuable floor guys picked at 28, just to recap that. Uh, like, that's not how you draft. Drafting's not an exact science. Far from it. And even the guys regarded as the best, a la Danny Ainge, Sam Presti, and and others, maybe Troy Weaver of late, others miss. Like Everyone misses. Every dayers, thank you for tuning in and making Locked On Jazz your first listen. And I look forward to tomorrow's show here on Locked On Jazz where I'll talk about are there players and, and teams to consider like we should consider trading up with using the 28th pick, using that 16th pick, maybe even using 9 and 28, 9 and 16 to move up with. Are there players worth that? Are there teams that you think are likely candidates to do so? Uh, give me your thoughts on Twitter on that, and I'll, I might incorporate them. Should I, you guys give me some good ideas? I've got some of my own. And with your second listen, learn more about the picks that the Jazz could be making on Locked on NBA Big Board featuring Rafael Barlow and Richard Stamen. Until then, have a great day and go Jazz.